Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This. Check out www.nowhearthis.biz. Be sure to sign up for the email newsletter there, which is quick and easy. All that's required is an email address. We are coming to you from Crystal Blue Sound Studios near Tampa, Florida. Check them out on the web at www.cbpro, as in Crystal Blue Productions, cbpro.net. Be sure you are subscribing to this podcast and telling your friends to do so as well. We are thrilled to now be on both iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Lots of great guests on Now Hear This Entertainment, or as I've come to call it, NHTE. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from the road, today he's in Ohio, my guest is a veteran blues man who plays guitar and harmonica. He's a singer-songwriter who has just released his 16th CD, which is called Loosen Up. He has played not only all throughout the U.S., but in Canada, in Denmark, Japan, France, Spain, Brazil, plus shows at U.S. military bases in Asia, the Middle East, Europe, Greenland, and Central America. He gets airplay all over the place. You've been hearing one of his songs, Mississippi Woman, and he is just about as busy as they come, and I'm thrilled to finally get time with him here. Please welcome R.B. Stone. Hey, Bruce. How are you doing? Fantastic. Thank you. Uh, Thanks so much for making the time to do this today. Appreciate that. No problem. So, R.B., that's a big intro that I just gave there. Let's let's try to go through those items individually. First is that today you just happen to be in Ohio, but truthfully, if people follow you online, and we will be giving out the website address and social media in just a bit here, you are always all over the place. Yeah, I do a lot of, uh, when I'm not touring on a set-type tour, um, I'll do a lot of PR work, and I don't always list that on my calendar sometimes it's last minute sometimes it's not but um i have a lot of radio airplay out there and there are a lot of different blues societies and music people slash venues and um i get out and you know go out and do the old uh pr job that is real important to do Uh, if somebody isn't doing it for you you know you have to do it yourself Shaking hands and kissing babies, as they say, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, I've got a publicist and a radio guy that worked this last album, and I'll usually hire either one that does both or one of each, which I did the last one, and and they they stir up the dust for you, and then it, you know, to keep the ball rolling and cultivate things, it's real important to get out and meet these people. Absolutely. Okay, so next then, going back to the intro, I mentioned that your CD, uh, the 16th CD that you've released, is called Loosen Up, and you did that with Grammy Award-winning producer Tom Hambridge, who has worked with countless superstars, including B.B. King, Buddy Guy, and George Thorogood, to name just a few. Where did you record the CD Talk about working with Tom Hambridge, and then what else would you like to tell the listeners about Loosen Up? Uh, We recorded in Nashville at a place called Black River Studios. It's a record label, I think mainly for country. I'm not sure. Uh, They may have expanded uh, as of today's date. but um, And it's one of the premier places to record in Nashville. A really nice place. used to be Ronnie Millsap's studio come to think of it and they call it Ronnie's place still uh, but Tom was uh, really great it's just uh, you know when you're dealing with somebody like him you, you can just relax he doesn't make you feel uneasy he doesn't try to dominate he encourages and that's what a, a good producer should do they need to let you relax and be yourself so that you know the best of you comes out and he definitely did that Um he would offer suggestions here and there, but honestly, we went in and just banged the thing out in a total of nine hours. We wow. tracked for six six hours one day. We got all the basic tracks down, and I sang live with the band. And then he and I, the last song on the album is called Harley Hearted Cigar Box Guitar, 
and drums. It's a two-piece, kind of a Mississippi Hill Country thing on steroids. <laughs> and we, we hooked that in one take. And mm. I mean, so to play with guys of that caliber and be able to do a one-take, vocally and or harmonica and or cigar box, you know, made me feel good. And it's one of those things, when you're playing with guys that that good, it brings, you come up to their level if you're not there already. And they kind of just bring you up. And it was just such a painless experience it was the most stress-free easy project i've ever done in my life wow because he handled the studio he handled the musicians all i had to do is write the tunes and show up play a little sing a little and and that was it and uh that's all i could say it was it was really easy and I think you're referring to uh, that. Sounds to me like you're saying those were Nashville players. That you're you're not talking about your own band that played on it. No, and I don't have a set band. I've got guys in Europe and Asia and South America, Canada, and a few other places that that I use. And and uh, so I don't have a set band at at present anyway. But I know that previously you're albums have generally been self-produced what made you decide to not produce this one and how did you get to connect with somebody like tom hambridge a grammy award winner i was at uh, the blues music awards uh three years ago i guess it was not this one the one before us so would be two years ago and saw him play and realized who he was had heard about him and had mutual friends that work with him so I stuck my hand out, and by the end of the night, uh, he said, hey, you want to work with me? We'll figure out a way. So we did. Um, and that was pretty much it. Uh, you know, I I figured he, he was known in the genre, and I'm a newbie. You know, I've done a lot of albums, but they've been in other styles of music. So this would have been my second approach into the, the blues roots world. And so I figure, well, I'll get somebody that's uh, got a bit of a name, and and he's got one of the biggest ones this week. He's in the studio with Devin Allman, and you know he's produced Greg Allman. I mean, he's done guys just done a lot of stuff. He's always busy, and he's real unassuming, just a regular guy, a very nice, regular person. So you know, it was just a, a real treat to work with him, and I didn't have to worry about any of the. Uh, particulars other than having good songs and doing my best i had some mutual friends ray kennedy and gary nicholson and uh, gary writes a lot of stuff and written a lot of hits over the years and does blues and ray has got several grammys as has gary and ray and i write together and i usually have a co-write with him on every album i've done so i had those ends when i met tom and I, I just enjoy writing with, with guys who, you know, bring it to the table and, and have uh, songwriting experience and you trust in their judgments. It's it's comforting to be able to do that with, with different people. You know, that helps in the PR machine, with the PR machine, uh, not to count that I got a, a great album out of it. And so that's why I did it. And it, it really was... Um, pretty well stress-free for me. I mean, we got down to the last minute to write a few tunes. I think he and I wrote four, and then Ray Kennedy and I did one. Ray's got four or five Grammys as well uh, in the Americana field, mostly. Got one with Tom on a Buddy Guy album for for mastering it. So, you know, I get to hang around all these guys with all these Grammys, and the nice thing is they, you know, they like to write with me. I mean, they, they never... They usually never say no. They enjoy what I bring to the table. So yeah, it makes you kind of feel good when guys that have those accolades uh, uh, enjoy what you do or maybe respect what you do, I guess. Might be stretching it. But <laughs> <laughs> well, and, uh, you know, this is um, this is becoming a, a recurring incident here on the podcast where I, where I have a question written that the guest answers before I have a question uh, or an opportunity, excuse me, to to ask it, which I was I was prepared with the next inquiry to be uh, because I had mentioned in the intro that you are a songwriter. I was going to ask you how much of the new release was written by just you as opposed to co-writes. Uh, so I think you're I think you're answering that um, 
pretty completely because there's 10 songs uh, on Loosen Up, and uh, you just mentioned having written a few of them uh, with a couple different guys. Yeah, uh, one with Ray. I, I like writing with Ray on everything I do. It's just fun. And then uh, I did four with Tom, and then I did the rest. And some of them were just writing themselves, so I had to hold back, you know, for a couple with Tom there. I think the day of I started almost finished one, but he's real good at um, he, he just he's just real good. You know, he's easy to write with. Real mild mannered guy, real unassuming. You wouldn't know he's had all the uh, credits and the comp- accomplishments that he has if you didn't know him. I mean, so it's nice working with somebody that doesn't have an ego. That's just you know super talented and and uh, has the stature that he has. He's in the studio this week with Devin Allman and another guy next week. So the guy stays really busy. And he plays drums for Delbert McClinton. Um, wow. So, I mean, the, the guy's really living the dream. So then, given the, given your druthers, uh, w- would you generally lean towards preferring to write with Ray as opposed to writing by yourself? Um, I like doing both. It's kind of nice writing with people that that you respect. You know, because they always come up with great things, things you may not have heard of, or you know, you if you get get stuck on something, you've got somebody there that you know is an experienced writer that can unstuck the situation, unstick the situation, usually pretty quick. And you know, Ray had hits out in the '90s on the country charts, and he's just one of those talented guys. He produces Steve Earle. Um, and a bunch he's got, I mean, it goes on and on and on. So I'm real lucky to have these guys as, as compadres in the music biz. But, uh, you know, I kind of like writing it all myself. I mean, people, sometimes if you don't know who you're writing with, you want to, you're getting in bed with them. So you want to make sure that, that you trust them, number one, and that they're not going to make it difficult to advance a song in the event somebody else wants to do it or something like that, or if somebody else wants to do it but wants a piece of the publishing, you just kind of got to know who you're, because you're married to that, to that, you know, piece of work with them once it's done. So you got to be careful who you write with. Well, and, and at one point in there when you were talking about Ray, I do also feel like like it's probably a, a logical conclusion that although you say you know he comes up with with some original ideas because you do have a history of working with him i imagine that although he brings some new ideas to the table he still knows what new ideas you will and won't go for am i correct in making that assumption um maybe i don't know i i think uh I think I think that we have the liberty to throw out whatever we want, and we have the trust that the other person is, you know, going to be fair about whatever you're throwing out, and not try to criticize or, or you know, throw negative energy into the situation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When you're writing, you need to be able to be as loose as you possibly can and comfortable with whoever you're writing with just so that the best stuff comes out. If you're writing with somebody that shuts it down real quick or chastises what you're trying to do, it can really stifle your creativity. So you need people that fan the flames and, you know, and it needs to be reciprocated or it's, a, it's really not a enjoyable experience. Sure, sure. So I know uh, you'll be continuing to promote this CD uh, all over the place, all over the country. It's it's only May right now as we're talking, yet you're already booked to play at the San Diego Blues Festival in September. For people who have not seen you play live yet, what would you say relative to what they can expect to see when they come to see an R.B. Stone show? Well, it really depends on um, the venue. I mean, if it's a songwriter deal, 
there may be more cutting up with the audience and those are more intimate, you know, settings where people like to be talked to and and kind of corresponded with. Right. If it's a bigger venue, you know, where you've got a band and you know, I still do that, but not as much and I just you know, try to just lay down the you know, the music in a strong fashion. But I usually have a pretty high energy, you know, rock and show, I guess you would say. And um that that's about it. I just uh I don't know how else to explain, you know, what they're gonna see when they come. Just you know, I'm just kinda groove oriented and then I try to make the best lyrics go with that when I you know, as far as songs go. Well, that's a good segue. It's a perfect opportunity for me to drop in a plug uh, for people to get online and look for you so they could at least see a video of you playing. Uh, I am Bruce Warzniak, and joining me from the road, he's up in Ohio today, on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line, it's singer-songwriter R.B. Stone. Visit his website at www.rbstone.com. He is out there on social media, too, uh, Facebook, and I just said uh, YouTube. Uh, those are two of them in particular. Purchase his music, too. He's on iTunes, Amazon.com, and you can even buy directly off of his website, rbstone.com. Be sure to also check out www.nowhearthis.biz, that's H-E-A-R, and sign up for the e-newsletter there and subscribe to this podcast. Feel free to use the social media buttons on nowhearthis.biz to like the Now Hear This page on Facebook, and or become a Twitter follower. Uh, RB, you and I first met at a songwriters festival. Uh, are you someone who is always songwriting, or do you just start bearing down on it when it's time to start planning a new CD? Yeah, I don't have the luxury of just doing that all the time, and I don't know if I would want to. I just kind of do it, you know, for for that purpose when it's time to... Uh, do a new album unless something just hits me that you know like it, it kind of gets downloaded <clears throat> and won't go away then it has to be written <laughs> I'll, I'll take time to do it but it's a whole different mindset you know you got to be kind of I, I just have to switch gears from the business mode and the things that have to be done into that it's a whole different hat I put on pretty much well in fact uh, when I and I mentioned earlier on that you spend a lot of time on the road. I'm talking listeners, RB, when I say he spends time on the road, I'm talking about you're doing the actual driving. So where do you make time, RB, for uh, you know songwriting or for phone calls or for things of a nature that are not conducive to someone who's behind the wheel? Well, I mean, today I just pulled over. I mean, I'm sitting here in Ohio. <laughs> There's a uh, look right off the highway in route to, uh, to my dad's I just pulled over and made the call here so I mean that's that's pretty much it um, you know I mean I, I crash in the van here a lot of times I have a bed in here I've got gear under the bed and a little PA system and um, you know I, I'm probably the closest thing to a gypsy you'll meet these days about <laughs> Europe and actually meeting a gypsy family um there's a lot of bad stories about some of them. I'm, I, I won't leave you with a bad story. So. <laughs> but I, I just am happiest when I'm traveling. I mean, um, some people aren't. Some people can't fathom it, but I do. And uh, I used to halfway be ashamed of it because I enjoyed the freedom. And anymore, I just don't care. <laughs> mm-hmm. What's well, a lifestyle? Every truck driver you meet that does cross country is the same way. Or. Uh, bus drivers and things like that you know people people are just wired different and I'm one that is happiest when I'm moving you know I do like sitting still every now and then but I'm just uh, not a conventional guy for an 85 type of setting well and I think for the listeners that are up and comers that are aspiring musicians we've talked at least on one episode before uh, about a, a clever way to travel uh, and do things economically. Uh, that was uh, the 
episode where um, June McHugh was the guest, and she said, you know, trade with a with a B and B. Stop at a bed and breakfast and tell them, look, if you'll put me up for the night, I'll play in your courtyard or in your lobby or whatever. And uh, and so make note of what R. B. Stone is saying. He's you know he's not. He doesn't hesitate to, to sleep in his vehicle at night. And, you know, I mean, there's things to... Obviously, you want to be comfortable. You don't want to, you know, be regretting it the next day. But, uh, he, you know, here's a veteran guy that's been doing this for years and um, is still doing it now. So uh, a, a good lesson there that, that you've just passed along, RB. Um, I mentioned in the intro that you have had a lot of success with radio airplay, too, and, and you were just talking about that a few minutes ago. Do you feel that radio today is in a place where fans can still influence what gets played and what doesn't. Can can we encourage the listeners to call their local station and tell them to play R.B. Stone's music? Yeah, you definitely can. Uh, the only problem is a lot of stuff's pre-recorded. Um, you know, the guys that pre-record their shows, uh, you know, there's no way to reach them. But they could write in or email if they can get a contact to the the person that's programming the show like yourself and, and request that. Um, so I think it still does help. I think I, honestly that social media may be uh, one-upping uh, the radio uh, and uh, the Sirius XMs and the YouTube and things like that. A lot of kids you know, will listen to, to YouTube and, and uh, what is it, Rhapsody and there's a couple other Spotify. Yep. I was at a coffee shop in Oklahoma City the other day, and I went in there several days in a row to do my work because uh, the guy had a just real cool playlist, and it turned out it was Spotify, and he made his own playlist. <laughs> and it sounded great, you know. But I don't know. Uh, radio, it just depends how many listeners are actually listening in. and and uh, But to answer your question, the public still can play a role in that. I don't know about, like, clear channel and these pre-programmed deals, I mean, most of that, you know, is bought-out deals. So somebody's paying somebody to tell somebody what to do, and it's usually, yeah. like in the old day, it was payola. They'd pay off the radio promoters to go grease the palms of uh, the music directors and program directors to play the records. These days, they grease the palms of the consultants. It's the same thing, just a different name. And the record, the big record labels have X amount of money put away for that. And they will take care of the people they need to take care of to get the proper songs played. Hence, all the crap you hear on uh, commercial radio. <laughs> okay, now it's time for Bruce's bonus. This is a segment here on Now Hear This Entertainment where I take off my hat as podcast host and put on my hat as president of Now Hear This, giving a helpful tip for the listeners that are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers who are out there trying hard to make a go of it. Today's bonus is to promote from the stage. Tell people when you'll be back at the venue that you're at if you're scheduled there in the future, and or tell them when and where your next gig is. Tell the audience what's available that night. Flyers? A newsletter sign-up sheet? CDs? Merchandise? Don't just say, check out my website and expect them to remember it, especially if they've had a drink or two or five. And that is today's Bruce's Bonus. Well, let's uh, let's let's turn a corner here and start getting into some of the fun stuff. Uh, I mentioned in the introduction a whole list of countries that you've played in. Give us a story or two from playing in somewhere like Denmark or Spain or 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 wow, even Greenland. Well, Greenland, um, when we were up there, I think we walked out of the club around three or four in the morning, and the and the sun was just setting. You know, hmm. so. It's kind of like, I guess, down in the Antarctica as well as up in Alaska. It's pretty much the same where the sun really never goes down. It just kind of hits the horizon for a minute. Um, so that that was pretty neat. And, I, you know, I've done stuff in Japan where they, they don't speak the language, but they feel what you're doing and they respond accordingly. And Japanese are suckers suckers for big ballads. They love they love ballads. <laughs> and I I always got good response there. Uh, some of the other places, you know, I just uh, did a lot of military there for a while, and, and those guys are usually happy to see you, and they're great crowds. And uh, you know, it's, I I was 
a lot of that went away after 9-11. Most of the budgets, the monies at the bases went to funding the war, so they got a lot of their stuff cut back. So I hadn't done a lot of that in the last 10-plus years. But it was, it was really fun while it lasted. I've done Spain where, uh, once again, they don't all speak the language, but they're very passionate. When I was in Brazil, uh, I don't think I've been hugged and kissed so much by the guy. <laughs> and girls, they're just very passionate, warm people that they showed appreciation, you know. Uh, so that was really a, that was a great experience uh, going down there. I hope to get back down there sometime, maybe this this next year to Argentina, maybe Colombia. And, and uh, for for any particular reason that, that that you're citing that you're citing those countries that that part of the world to want to get back to. Um, well, no, just to do it. I, I haven't been to Argentina or Colombia, so it'd be two new places to go. And I've, I've met people promoters and artists from both countries that would like to get me down I see. so maybe in September or October I'll, I'll go there just because I have it you know, if you mm-hmm. don't, I've done so many of the things that I've wanted to do over the years and I get bored with life if I don't create new challenges and new places to go interesting and, I like uh, that I like that attitude I like that approach yeah and I'm not bragging I'm complaining so if I don't if I don't create and say okay i've got to go i've got to at least try to go here and do this that and the other then i it's like okay you know i've already done that been there done that and there's no excitement so i think you need to create new goals for yourself and, and push yourself a little bit here and there yeah because as i've talked about on this podcast before it is a business so at the end of the day you are doing work but uh, as you said, if if you could find some new opportunities that are going to at least excite you, then you're going to say, "Yeah, this is this is I'm doing work, even though I'm doing music." Uh, but at least I'll have I'll get an opportunity to have some fun, go see some new places, and you know, see how the people respond to my music in Argentina, see how the people respond to my music in Colombia. Yeah, well, they usually, unless you really are bad, they usually just appreciate <laughs> you know Americans. So. You know, I've heard some not-so-great acts get received very well just because they were from somewhere else. Mm. And that's not my mission. I want to go down and, you know, and, and just do the best I can and bring them as top-notch of a show as I can. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and it happens, and it's okay that it happens. Um, that doesn't give anybody a license to slack up and not give their best, though. But there's, you know, there's a big world out there, and and I've, I've been to 32 countries, and there's still a lot more wow. countries to go to. You know, wow. there's still, what is there, 130, I think, or something like that, 130, 160 countries in the world. Um, some we may not want to go to. I mean, I've been <laughs> to Haiti. I was doing a NATO show in Haiti, and, you know, we, everywhere we went, we had armed guards because it wasn't mm. safe. Um, I've been to the Middle East, and... and uh, entertaining troops over there too and and it's just a different different feeling when you get back to the states you can breathe it's uh it can be a bit constri- constricting in some places you know where you go and they don't speak the language and and um it can be stressful you know the key is have somebody with you that can interpret for you if, if that's possible i haven't always had that luxury and but it's always a lot more work when you don't have have that luxury. Yeah, and you know, I, I I guess I feel like a rookie. I've I've only been to seventeen different countries, um, but I but I know what you're saying because, and again, I don't I don't want this conversation or this podcast to turn political, but you know, so many people have so many complaints about our country, and it's in and by no means is it perfect. Uh, but when you do get those opportunities, like you and I have had to travel the world. When you do come back here, you you realize you know how truly fortunate we are to live in this country, and that uh, you know it's not as bad as people think, and, and that you really should count your blessings. I, I've I've many times stopped short of bending down, and kiss, kneeling down, and kissing the ground when I get back on U.S. soil. Uh, so you know th- those are uh, very valuable experiences. Yeah, in seventeen countries, that's quite a few actually. Um, I. I think that, uh, yeah, it's, I don't know. I mean, there's, 
it's just easy to navigate here. It, easier to navigate. You can go wherever you want, when you want. Um, some countries you can't. Things just shut down at night. If you don't have transportation, you're stuck. But, you know, every place you go, if you look for the positive, it's always there. I, I don't miss the jet lag of, of doing a lot of that stuff and taking two or three, four days to get over it and have to do shows with it. That, I, I definitely don't miss that. But I wouldn't mind going back to Europe or, or Asia. I, I mean, I, I really did enjoy Tokyo, and I'd stay there a few months out of the year. And, and uh, It's probably still my favorite city hmm. just from all the diversity and the, the friendliness of the people and the safety factor as well on top of it. Interesting. And the 32 countries that you've been to, that that has been over what span of time? Uh, I think I hit most of them in the 90s, I'd say early 90s to probably a 10-year span, early 90s to 2011. Wow. Wow, that's amazing. I, I was prepared for you to say, you know, 32 countries over 27 years. So that's that's amazing. No, it all happened in probably a seven to eight, nine year span there, pretty much. Um, just a lot of places and did a lot did a lot of things. But you know, earlier today we were talking about the booking stuff and um, you know, you want me to share and I all I can say, you know, it, it's hard to find somebody to book you unless you have something to offer or unless they're invested emotionally or financially in your career. Mm -hmm. Um, I I did it for years and I just, you know, I don't do it anymore very minimally. So, I mean, I'm pursuing a couple agents at present, but the best promotion is to be out and play live, you know, hands down. When somebody can see your video, somebody can hear your music, but when they see a live, that's usually when you capture and sell people. So I, you know, when you're starting out or even when you're not starting out, it depends on what level you are in your career and what genre you're in. Um, you know, it's really hard and you can get internally do it. You may have to. Um, and for me, I just, uh, I was really good at it for many years. I produced shows in Asia. I put a hundred over there one year, I think 60 on myself and 40 on other acts. Hmm. And it was pretty insane year to be honest but uh, I made a good bit of money um, but it it is tough it's the hardest most unappreciated probably career uh, job there is in, in the music industry and so if you ever get a good agent hang on to them and I suggest everybody try booking themselves for a year or two just so they know how to appreciate when somebody does step up well said well said I am Bruce Warzniak, and joining me from the road, he's up in Ohio today, on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line, it's singer-songwriter R.B. Stone. Visit his website at www.rbstone.com. He is out there on social media too, Facebook and YouTube in particular. Purchase his music as well. He's on iTunes, Amazon.com, and you can even buy direct off of his website. We mentioned already that his newest CD, so to speak, is his 16th, so there's plenty out there to choose from. Be sure to also check out www.nowhearthis.biz, that's H-E-A-R, and sign up for the e-newsletter there and subscribe to this podcast. Feel free to use the social media buttons on nowhearthis.biz to like the Now Hear This page on Facebook and or to become a Twitter follower. So, R.B., you've also had the chance, uh, you mentioned, to play at military bases all over the world. And and even though, um, you know, those have declined, you mentioned, uh, due to budget changes and things. I imagine that those shows had to be very rewarding for you. I I don't want to put words in your mouth and say a career highlight, but I I imagine those shows had to be very, very different in terms of the the type of enjoyment you got from doing them, yes? Yeah, I actually... I probably forfeited fame at the time because I was doing country music then and Southern rock with some blues still, but it wasn't my dominant. And I I had the opportunity in those years to, I was hooked up uh, at EMI 
Publishing in Nashville through the Gordy family from Motown. And, you know, the times had changed at that point. I was right on the the edge of being too old for what they were taking. <laughs> but I was making great money, and I, I felt a fulfillment in my heart to be entertaining the troops. And I really did love it. And when 9-11 happened, it truly broke my heart, not from just the tragedy that with of its own, but the ripples from that. Um, I had to become a pilot as well uh, from hanging out with uh, some of the military pilots and wow. the Northwest I'd entertain on my nights off over in Narita, Tokyo Airport. Uh, wow. And so kind of steered me into it. So I spent three and a half years prior to 9-11 training in between tours. I do two months on, two off. Wow. And I put a lot of sweat equity into that and got into flying Learjets and just had just got my first Learjet job and then 9-11 hit. So all the military money went, as did the flying. <laughs> <laughs> that was a double whammy. And uh, I just, it, so it, it really hit home. But I'd say mostly it was the passion I had. I was just talking to a guy about an hour ago about that. And I said, you know, I'd always go and, and I'd always try to get more. I'd do a free show or whatever, or buy the guys drinks. You know, you can see, you can see it in the eyes of the newbies that came, were were there. And I just, I really felt fulfillment. Um, and it was paying off. And so, you know, we we had no idea that crazies would be flying airplanes into buildings and changing the world. Yeah. But both of my careers at the time just, you know, knocked me in my knees pretty much. And, and so uh, you got to reinvent yourself and keep going, you know, and do things you don't think you'd ever do just to get by sometimes. But, you know, life goes on, man. It's not waiting on you. But you mentioned in there, though, that you said that at the time you were doing that, you were you were a little more uh, country and, and southern rock. So what happened that made you decide to do this shift to, to focus and uh, to, to become more of a blues man instead? Well, I needed something that had guts and heart. I mean, and not to be negative, but you turn on the radio and listen to country music, and it, it's just very disheartening. Um, I can't stand it. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I don't mind spitting it out. It's just there's no inspiration for me turning on the radio. When I lived in, I'm a Merle Haggard junkie, you know, and when I lived in Nashville in the, in the 80s, in the early 90s, you still had Willie and Waylon and Merle and, and, and uh, you know, great acts like Eddie Rabbit and Earl Thomas Conley and people like that that had great songs and sang great and could play a lot of them. And that went away. You know, the Garth Brooks thing came in, and that was the first wave, and then everything else you're hearing now came in after. And they started, one of my, a couple of my friends, not just one, were hit songwriters. When I say hit songwriters, they had hits to their name at the time and their publishers actually came to them and said we need you to write for 13 year old girls <laughs> and, and they still do that and so you know like I say turn on the radio I'd say 95% of it's geared towards what they call tweeners they're trying to hit the teenagers before they you know in that you know formative high school year thing to where yeah. they hopefully will keep these songs the rest of their life with yeah. So there was no guts, no heart. Uh, you know, I just felt it had got taken away. So I looked at folk. I looked at songwriter, which I still love both. I looked at bluegrass. I looked at uh, Western music because I've written that and used to be a, a, do the cowboy thing. And I looked at blues and I said, man, blues has got the guts. You know, it's got the heart and the guts. You can rock it, you can twang it, you can do whatever you want with it. There's a lot of variations of it. So, I mean, I wrote my first blues song when I was a kid and recorded one when I was in like 1983 or something. So I was no stranger to it, mm -hmm. but I was too old for what country music was wanting. And, and my music was too matter of fact, I think, you know, I didn't sing about pickup trucks and <laughs> and mud tires and you know and all that, but I, but I actually did when I used to write it, but not all of it. So, long story short, I needed something that I had passion for, and it, and it definitely wasn't in country music. 
Well, you've been successful, obviously, with blues, and and you have got a really strong following. To to what do you credit having such devoted supporters? I'm not really sure. I just I try to answer everybody when if somebody ever does a friend request. Um, I always try to send them a thank you. And if anybody writes me for anything, I try to do it. A guy yesterday in Kentucky said, man, here's my Reverb Nation. Uh, I'd like you to listen to my songs. So I went and I did, and real quick, and I said, hey, I think I like this one best. I didn't critique them. I just, you know, did that. And, um, you know, they wanted me to call and request the stuff. And I, I had to be nice and say, you know, I don't even have time to disguise my voice to call and request my own. You know, <laughs> I said, but keep swinging the bat. And yet, yesterday was a belly button birthday, and and I think there were like 400 and some happy birthdays, and I tried to answer every single one of them. I mean, you know, when people take time to do that, for me, if I do that, it means a lot. You know, it's like back in the day, people used to send cards, thank you cards and things, mm-hmm. and they still do, but that always proved to be more sincere than just a quick thank you over the phone or something, you know. And so I think the social media thing is, is really great. But I just, I really do like people, and I, I really appreciate them. And, uh, and there seems to be a lot of people on the social network out there that keep supporting me, and I, and I you know, I'm grateful for that. Yeah, and you actually have, um, for the listeners, when you do go on his website, uh, on rbstone.com, there's a there's a page uh, called sponsor, and same thing there. You're you're showing your willingness to engage with these people if if they give at gosh a, a level as as minimal as a dollar. But you're you're talking about things on your website here, a public shout out in social media, Facebook, and and your newsletter. Uh, you know, all the way up to you know to to bigger uh, dollar amounts, and obviously you know a whole lot more. That will be done with those people, but I think uh, you know. I think that's testimony right there to the fact that you you obviously um, don't back down from conversations with people that you've never met before. So that's that's very that's very encouraging. Uh, you know, for someone that has had as much success as you, um, that you know, you will stop and, and talk to anyone. And as you said, just you know, listen to someone else's music that you've never even met before. Yeah, I can't say. I- I always enjoy doing that, but, you know, if I expect somebody, if I, if I expect somebody to do that for me, then I, I need to be willing to do that for somebody else. Exactly. Know? And that's kind of how that goes. But, you know, my opinion, everybody's important. Everybody's connected to somebody. And every time you assume this person is not worth talking to or not important or who cares, they're usually the person that probably is connected to somebody that could do you a lot of good. At least yeah. it seems to be my experience. Yeah. Better safe than and, sorry. <laughs> yeah. And just, you know, don't assume. And I mean, there, there are times you just, you're tired, you got to take care of yourself. But, you know, without people liking what you do, you can't do it in this business. That's right. If you, want, you're, if you have, if you're the only guy in the world that can make a certain part for, machinery and you don't have to have a fan base they just want that product that's a whole different game but in the entertainment business whether you tour or not you're just selling things off your website you need people to like what you're doing to to stay afloat yeah yeah uh rb i know that you play guitar also but uh you are the first harmonica player that i've had on the show at at what age did you start playing and what made you really go forward with it I don't know about the harmonica. I mean, I, th- I know when I started, it was probably 23-ish, about the same hmm. time I started the guitar. I didn't start till I was later on. I played drums when I was younger and fooled around on the piano. But um, I I didn't start the, uh, the harmonica till the guitar till I was about 23. And I don't know why I did it. Um, I have no clue. I, but I did, and, and it probably is my strongest lead instrument that I that I do play. I play lead guitar and cigar box guitar, but I'd say the harp is probably the one I'm strongest on. But at some point, uh, you know, is is there something that you do to, to really 
hone your harmonica playing, or or is it just no? I just I just played a lot, Bruce. Just just practiced. Um, no, I just uh, I don't. I might have sat around and practiced. I think I just used to play a lot of shows, and that that you know that turns into practice there. But it's it's live practice, and I'm sure there's a few times I sat around. You know, and played, or I'd be going down the road and playing. Yeah, that type of thing. But I've never had lessons. Well, I take that back. I did have a guy show me a few tricks, some overblows that I've learned to do. <laughs> that was a seventeen-year-old kid the other day, who's really good, really technically good, and uh, we traded a few, a few chops here and there. Mm-hmm. But it's just one of those things that you could, I could put a lot of feeling and passion into and it just came more natural than maybe other instruments gotcha well um we're just about done here but uh the last question i want to ask you we are going to end the podcast uh with uh the your new cd that i've been talking about or your latest i should say is called loosen up and we're going to end the podcast with a song called High Horse. So before we wrap up, I would just love it if you would tell the listeners about that song. That came out of when I was living in Las Vegas, and I got called to do a what I thought was a music gig at this real high-fancy restaurant out in Lake Las Vegas. And it turned out that all they wanted me to do was stand there and look like a country guy <laughs> out in the yard. You know, while they brought their potential guests who were going to book an event there by to see where the country guy would be standing <laughs> once they had their event. <laughs> and so I'm standing there with a the guitar, and, uh, you know, I just uh, I had a little Honda Civic or something like that. I was driving a little beater, and that's that's where that came from, all these, these rich folks going by and looking down at the guy standing there with the the hat and the guitar and, and the long overcoat, you know. It's like, well, I'm getting paid to be here, but that that really pushed it. You know? <laughs> and then you just incorporate a few other experiences that you probably collected over the years into the song and, you know, flavor the stew there. Were you literally just standing there or, or were you actually playing and singing? Oh, just standing there. Wow. They weren't anywhere close to me. They were probably uh, 300 feet away looking down where the guy was going to be. <laughs> you know, but that's Las Vegas, man. It's all about, it's not about the music or the heart out there. It's just about the, the show and the sell. And and uh, I had no idea that's what it was. I, I may or may not have went. I don't know at the time. You know, it still paid. Um so, but that that inspired that. Yeah, I think uh, I think on your website I saw mentioned somewhere uh, of I want to say I want to say that you played. I'm I'm going to get it wrong. It was either the House of Blues or uh, or the Hard Rock that you played at in Las Vegas, which I'm sure you've played at both of those in a number of cities. Yes, um, a few. I did a did a Hard Rock up in. Michigan at a casino there, and I've done the House of Blues in Las Vegas. I think those are the only two to date. Uh, there's a there's a handful of them out there, though. Yeah, absolutely. Well, RB, I really appreciate your time today and uh, and pulling over <laughs> and talking with me uh, for so long. It's been it's been really great to to hear your stories and uh, you know a few lessons along the way as well. So so thank you very much for for doing this. Well, thanks for having me, Bruce. It's always nice when somebody takes interest enough to to hear you talk. Very much so. I will uh, close, as usual, by formally thanking my guest, R.B. Stone, and ask you listeners, please, to visit his website at www.rbstone.com. Find him on social media, too. There are links right on his website, too, finding him on Facebook and YouTube. And purchase his music as well. He's on iTunes, he's on Amazon.com, and as I mentioned before, you can actually...
purchase his music directly from rbstone.com. Don't forget to visit www.nowhearthis.biz and sign up for the email newsletter there by simply putting in your email address. And of course, please do subscribe to this podcast and tell your friends about it. And please give us a nice review on iTunes or Stitcher Radio and uh, make sure you're also clicking on the stars to give it hopefully a five-star rating. That would be very helpful, very appreciated. We have been recording this show at the great facilities at Crystal Blue Sound Studios near Tampa, Florida. Check them out online at www.cbpro.net. That's CB as in Crystal Blue. Thanks for listening. We'll send you out today with another song from today's guest, R.B. Stone. As promised, this is the one that he just talked about. It's called High Horse. Get off your high horse Let's give it